If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer, Joseph. Go, go, gadget headphones. <laughs> nice. Uh, Joseph, not to be confused with Joe, by the way, on For Comics Once a Month, Joseph, a separate writer. Also, Joseph, not to be confused with Ben, since they share a last name. But uh, Joseph on the show, this is his first time, actually. Welcome, Joseph. Happy to have you on. Glad to be here. We are at SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other, other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. And on today's show here at SifPop Writers Room, we'll be talking about a coming two coming attractions, actually. Because there's lots of movies coming out this week. We just don't have time for all of them. I know it's a shame that we'll not get to talk about Tom and Jerry or uh, SpongeBob 3 at any point. But... That's just going to be uh, some heartbreak that we're all going to have to endure together. But <laughs> when we're done talking about uh, Chaos Walking and Rhea and the Last Dragon, then we'll move on to uh, our SIF topic, which will be uh, Inspector Gadget. Uh, we'll talk about that for nostalgia this week, uh, since nostalgia's first Monday, uh, Wednesday of every month. And then when we're done talking about Inspector Gadget for a hot second, we will uh, explore the B-plot, answering uh, a question I devised for Joseph, since Joseph does a lot of the devising for the B-plot questions. And then we'll wrap up with a spinoff, a uh, quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, as always, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Uh, Joseph, I got the plain questions for you. I got the basic questions for you. Uh, when did you realize you had a passion for movies? You know, I'll be honest. I kind of had a uh, much later uh, blooming period compared to a lot of the other writers because you'll hear the others on. They'll talk about, oh, I watched movies a lot with my parents when I was a kid or I watched them with my grandparents. For I didn't go to the movies a whole lot as a kid. A lot of the movies we watched were just like on VHS or when we ever got a DVD player, DVDs. Uh, but when I got to college, I started getting a little bit more into movies, especially when Cinemanses started up. And they started mm-hmm. making their first few videos that actually got me a lot more interested in the movies. Really built from there to the point where now I just try to watch a movie every once in a while that I've heard a lot of good things about. Just trying to get to the point where there's like a lot of movies I haven't seen that everyone's like, what do you mean you haven't seen that movie? Yeah. So just trying to take care of that problem. <laughs> yeah, that'll feed in uh, very nicely when we talk about our B-plot. Uh, but uh, so so then you, you uh, with your relatively limited, uh, in your words, library, uh, movie knowledge, whatnot, what's your favorite movie? But more specifically, like, why do you pick that one to be your favorite? What makes that movie beyond excellent? Uh, favorite movie? Uh, I'd say Every Which Way But Loose. No, I'm just I'm joking. It's not Every Which Way But Loose. Uh, honestly, if you had asked me yesterday, I would have said hands down Casablanca. Because okay. that is a perfect movie in every way. There's not really anything in that movie that I feel like you could just actually cut out. Mm-hmm. Everything feels like it belongs. But uh, last night I watched Singing in the Rain for the first time and... It vaulted up to the very top. 
that movie just hits every button exactly right. Okay. I'm, I'm happy you had that experience. I was telling you before we started recording that actually I almost completely disagree with everything I said with Robert last week that <laughs> I definitely do prefer Arsenic and Old Lays over Singing in the Rain now just because I had so much fun talking about that one. And Singing in the Rain has to be the better movie, but gosh, I love Arsenic and Old Lays. Definitely. Uh, I will say in my opinion, uh, Cosmo, the character Cosmo, he steals the movie, runs oh, yeah. off with it, and nobody stops him. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, good. I'm glad you were able to to knock that one off, and I'm I'm happy that you were able to experience uh, something, especially relatively recently. Uh, and I'm also happy that what dethroned your favorite movie of all time was not Inspector Gadget. So, uh, so then, how did you get involved in writing for Sif Pop? So you haven't been on the show yet because you got involved right about the time that we started up this podcast, and we already had the schedule mapped out. So we weren't able to get you on until the next round of schedules came on. So that's why this is your your first time on. So how how did you get involved? Um, it was because of Frank, actually, uh, Sif Pop writer Frank. He had uh, done one of his many joke tweets about how Sif Pop's going to be fired. Him, and then I think last May I commented back. So I guess what's going to happen is they're going to hire me in your place. And at the time, Ben was our managing editor uh-huh. for Sif Pop. So ben, uh, Frank tagged Ben in a tweet just going, hey, I got another writer for you. Ben's like, I know that name. You want to write for us? But at the yeah. time, I said, give me a minute to think about it, because I was working on studying for a final exam for uh-huh. a master's degree. I got that done with, and then I messaged uh, Ben, and I just was like, hey, is that offer still open? <laughs> Can I still write for you guys? And that's kind of how I got uh, brought along. Well, yeah, one of the things that I really love is how it seems like like communities form in different ways, and at least with the Pop community, it's always formed based off of a couple people. Um, I mean, not necessarily all of them, but like, it's always like somebody had a connection with somebody and they extended an invitation. That's not always the way that it works, but it's almost always somebody knew somebody and extended an invitation. A lot of that stemming back to Blake since he was the footrunner. And it should be noted too that Ben, uh, is, is no longer the managing editor, but he is still a part of the, um, editor in chief. Yeah. Well, uh, I have one silly question for you. Don't worry. Uh, don't worry, Joseph. The uh, pressure is about to ease because I'm just going to ask it. Hey, I, I've been concerned all day about this. <laughs> you realized this morning that I always write down the very first one I ask, which is what kind of bread do you buy? And uh, and that's not actually the question I'm going to ask. Uh, the question I'm going to ask is if you could give any historical figure a wedgie, who would that be? I would say there are four that come to mind immediately. Okay. Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, and Benedict, Ar- Benedict Arnold. Okay. I would gladly give any of those four a wedgie. <laughs> okay. Pick one. I would have to say, just if I had to pick one right off the bat, it would have to be Napoleon. Okay. And why? I don't know. It just seems like, obviously we talk about people say Napoleon has little man syndrome, <laughs> even though actually he was not that much shorter than anybody else at the uh-huh. time. I don't know. It's just his personality from what I've read about him in history seems like he's somebody that just kind of deserves a wedgie. Which is weird for me to say because I was not a bully in school. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know why, but Napoleon was one of the first things I thought about as well. Mostly because of his notorious stature, which again is, is sort of a falsity. Let's go with Judas Iscariot. I could see that. I uh, I could definitely see why you would want to give him away. Yeah, I mean, like, and I look, here's the deal. I was thinking Judas, but then I didn't really want to say Judas because, like, Judas's end of a story isn't good. Like, he knows what he did was wrong, 
And like, you know, for yeah. that reason, like you don't really want to kick somebody while they're down. Let's so let's just say that that we want to give him the that I want to give him the wedgie, you know, right after or between the time that he trades uh, Jesus's location for the thirty pieces of silver, and the Romans actually arresting Jesus. That's what we'll go with. Yeah, I'd just be like you nincompoop. Like they're and then- walking towards, <laughs> like they're walking towards where Jesus is praying, and you just come around from behind a column and just grab him and give him a yeah. wedgie. Well, so this was also hard because I kept on thinking of it a lot of like. Uh, fiction characters. I was like, oh yeah, like Littlefinger or Joffrey, but it's like, uh, but they weren't real people. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. well, uh, now that we've gotten a chance to be acquainted a little bit, now that everybody can get a chance to hear your voice, and uh, so let's take this time and let's move on to talking about some movies that we uh, are coming out and some movies that uh, that we that nobody has seen, yet, or at least you know most people haven't seen yet. We're going to talk about uh, two movies coming out this week. As I mentioned, uh, these are both March 5th releases, and it seems like March 5th is the first like big release weekend in a long time because there's just lots of things coming out, and there's lots of things that, gosh, we just don't have the time for. Um, I mentioned that uh, Tom and Jerry will be hitting HBO Max on March 5th, and uh, SpongeBob SquarePants will be hitting theaters and on Paramount Plus on March 5th as well, so... You know, there's plenty of options for things for you to watch this weekend, but I figured, you know what, let's talk about some things that are actually original property. Well, yeah, semi-original properties, Chaos Walking, based off of a book. Uh, I figured let's talk about these two, because this will be maybe a little bit more uh, interesting to talk about. So, uh, do you want to start with Rhea or Chaos? I'd say let's just go with Chaos Walking, simply because of the fact that that's the first thing in the show. Yeah, that's what everybody, that's what Robert always goes by. Let's talk about Chaos Walking for a second. The synopsis of this movie is a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. This stars Tom Holland and uh, Daisy Ridley. This is directed by Doug Lyman, probably most famously directed The Born Identity, as well as Edge of Tomorrow, obviously has done quite a lot of other things uh, as well. But uh, Joseph, you've, uh, you've done a little bit of looking at this movie. Uh, you've checked out some stuff about it. And uh, I got to ask you, let's, let's say COVID doesn't exist anymore. Let's say, let's say all that theaters are back open at a normal rate and all that. Uh, let's say, uh, well, this is a theatrical release, by the way, I don't think this is getting a paid VOD and this is not hitting a streaming service immediately. So, uh, so how soon how how excited for this movie are you? Would you catch it opening weekend? Would you wait for a matinee? Wait till you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already paid for? Or are you just not interested in seeing this movie? You know, part of me wants to say at least matinee simply because of the fact that, I mean, like you said, we've dealing with COVID, just being able to actually get out of the house. And also because I had COVID, I lost mm-hmm. my sense of smell. And I'm just curious, if I were to go to a movie theater, would I be able to smell the popcorn? <laughs> but... This movie specifically, though, I would just say as of right now, my interest is on streaming. Okay. And that's, I feel like, almost a little high. Okay. I am right there with you. I'm in the streaming category. Now, again, this is where the anticipation level is is weird because I do feel like I kind of want to see this on a big screen. I don't know about necessarily IMAX, but I do feel like I would probably want to see this in a theater. Um, And there are enough... Yeah, I kind of... Things about this that look really cool, yeah. but gosh, nothing about that trailer made me want to see it. And this is a long history of being in development hell. And sometimes those movies turn out great. You know, in my opinion, Bill and Ted face the music, but sometimes those are, you know, Artemis Fowl. Yeah. But uh, this, I like the concept 
of chaos walking. I really like the how I like the whole idea behind it. Like just like everything the way it sounds like. I love that they have Tom Holland, they have Matt Mickelson, Daisy mm-hmm. Ridley. It's just it's not hitting for me. I guess I guess is the best way to put it. It's just that there are not things that are just making me just want to go to this movie immediately and just watch it. I mean, I haven't read the book that's based on, sure. but I mean, that might change my mind. So, right, so let's hang out on the cast for a little bit because the cast and, and the and the crew are the thing that most intrigues me about this movie because the story seems cool and all that based off a book. You know, I'm 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 here for that. There's been plenty of great movies based off of books, but at the same time, like I just I think the cast is and the crew are the things to be admired the most. And it's a question of is it going to be that next level for me? So, uh, so we've always talked about how Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley, who I love both of them, because uh, you know Daisy Ridley's had had a little bit less to work for. Actually, they probably had about the same. Uh, but Tom Holland has been in more, you know recognizable things daisy ridley has been in yeah star wars and murder on the orient express star wars murder on the orient express and a couple of smaller movies uh, not necessarily anything you know i hate to say it but i did not know she was in murder on the orient express <laughs> yeah so uh well then also we have mads mickelson you mentioned that mads mickelson of course a very recognizable uh, amazing actor for me uh he's definitely one of my favorites uh, we have nick jonas who we've only seen in a couple things but and he's good in jumanji so he, I've only seen him in Midway, and honestly, he struck me as the kind of guy who was just always Look, high. Midway, Midway's not the worst movie. But the, that's the character he felt yeah. like. Oh, it's not. It definitely is. And if you go to my letterbox, you'll see my opinion on the worst movie. <laughs> uh, and then I think I think it, the other noticeable uh, performer here is Cynthia Erivo, uh, who is playing a character named Hildy. Uh, she is probably most known for she uh, was the star in the movie Harriet that came out in 2019. She also has a role in Bad Times at the El Royale, as well as in Widows and HBO's The Outsider. So, like, relatively promising career. She hasn't been in very much, uh, but that's some some pretty good credits right there. So, uh, I think I think that that's enough to be excited about. And personally, I'm a huge fan of Doug Liman. What do you think about his movies in general? Uh, what movies has he done? So he directed uh, The Born Identity, and he directed uh, Edge of Tomorrow, but he also directed Swingers. Uh, but apparently he also directed like Lockdown. Uh, he did American Made, that uh, Tom Cruise one, Jumper, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Go, which is a a movie I really love. Like Edge of Tomorrow, criminally underrated movie. That movie is absolutely amazing. The Born Identity also amazing. It's just I'm not familiar enough with his film. I'm not familiar enough with his filmography to just throw my weight entirely behind him. Okay. I mean, he's made good movies that I really enjoy with those two. It's just that and also just this movie itself, like I said, it's just not really dragging my attention. Okay, so I don't think Doug Lyman's been a miss for me yet. And he has apparently a million things that he's attached to. Uh, he's currently attached to Splinter Cell movie. Again, been in development hell for 15 years now. I really like Squingers. I really like Go. Uh, I really like The Born Identity been a while since i've seen mr smith edge of tomorrow is on my top 100 of all time i love edge of tomorrow uh, i think it's closer to like the 100 range but you know it's still mm-hmm. still definitely worth being on that list uh, and uh still criminally underrated that's that's fair that's fair but i really loved edge of tomorrow and i haven't i haven't seen american made i didn't see lockdown locked it down um i didn't see the wall um i didn't see jumper lots of things that i'm just uh, I, I feel like at least everything that i've seen uh, there just hasn't been a stinker yet. Um, so 
Doug Lyman at this point has a, has a really good track record in my book, but you know, you take Doug Lyman, you take the cast that we've talked about being really good people we like. And I just, I just don't know that it's enough for me to get into this movie. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. It's just, there's something that's just keeping me from just buying into it. Part of it could be because of the fact it was in development hell for a while. Yeah. Part of me could also be the fact that as I was looking up the cast for this movie, I saw reviews for the book that were five star that literally they all said the exact same thing. <laughs> like somebody just copied and pasted the reviews. Yeah. It's just, there's things that are just keeping me from buying all the way into it. I think, yeah, I, I think the thing is, the, the two things that are holding me back most is that this has been a development hell for a while. Uh, this was filmed in uh, March 2019. Uh, but then we got pushed back because of reshoots and then just kept on getting pushed back. Um, I think it got pushed back like before movies started getting pushed back for COVID. Like I think it got pushed back not because of COVID, but just because it wasn't going to be ready. Yeah, one thing I read about it said that an original cut of it just was, quote, unwatchable. Yeah. And uh, and I know this movie had also been in development hell before it was filming. So had had been a while in pre-production. I believe several different directors, I believe... Uh, several different leads attached, so um, so quite a bit of uh, of history with this movie that doesn't necessarily sound exciting. But there, if there's anybody to do something good with this, if there's anybody that I just trust, I mean, like Doug Lyman would be that person. Uh, he, no, he's, I'm with you there. Yeah, he's definitely somebody that I would trust because again, his track record for me, I all the movies that I mentioned um, that I've seen, I rated at least eight on IMDb. So like that's a pretty solid track. And as of tomorrow, to me, is a ten out of ten. You know, it's hard. It's hard to think I'm not gonna like this movie if there has been nothing that he's made that I've seen that I haven't liked so far. Yeah, and I was about to say it's also a young adult novel That's that fair. they're making this out of. Not to knock young adult novels, well, but it seems like they end up in one of three categories. It's like you have your Harry Potter or your Hunger Games series that mm-hmm. are just extremely popular that everyone loves yeah. them. Everyone wants to go see them. Then you have like your Maze uh, Runner movies, I believe is what they're called. Yep. That they're still making them, but you see them come on as a trailer on TV or something like that, and you just go, "Oh yeah, that's still a thing." Yeah. And then there's and then the Artemis you have Artemis Fowls. Yeah. The what's what's the one that has the cities that are eating other cities? Oh, the Mortal Engines. The Mortal Engines. Yeah, yeah, I just the, the Mortal, Mortal Engines. Instrument. You have those like that that are just. Stinkers. Exactly. I, I want to believe in this movie, um, I but nothing about the trailer grabbed me. I, w- I was kind of confused on what was going on. The whole like noise concept just didn't connect with me because you have to portray that in a certain way, and I just felt it to be a kind of confusing jumbled mess to me. Honestly, that was uh, honest. That was honestly one of the things I kind of liked about that concept. Sure. The whole idea that they're on this planet that something has happened to where all of their thoughts are projected. Yeah. That's something that you don't see very often. Well, and that's and that's a really cool concept again, but you have to find a way to make that translate to film really well. And to me, it just hasn't translated. You know, you have to think about Yeah. Like think about Inception. You have to find a way to to demonstrate what's going on. And ideally, show don't tell, but Nolan pulls that off so incredibly. Uh whereas, you know, and I'm not trying to compare directors here, uh, but don't really know how well that's a hard concept to pull off. Um, yeah, no, I'm with, I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, uh, so it's just hard for me to get even the slightest bit excited about this. But 
the 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 only reason I'm not in the never watched category is because of the massive talent surrounding this. I mean, if this script really wasn't good, then do you think Tom Holland wouldn't take it? Uh, Daisy Ridley wouldn't take it. Uh, Doug Lyman wouldn't. Matt Mickelson definitely wouldn't take it if it was a bad script. I mean, did you see Polar? So that's okay. Fair. <laughs> there's been, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen takes a lot of movies and I, I wonder if Daisy Ridley is just like, they're going to pay me a lot of money. And like, this is something to get on my resume besides star Wars. And there could be a million reasons why the people do it, but it's just like, I feel like there's enough talent here that there has to be something to this other than money for, for these people to sign on. And, uh, and I, I, I wonder if this is just going to come out and knock me, knock me off my socks, not, whatever, I don't, whatever the expression is, but, uh, yeah, blow your socks off, but blow, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I hope, I hope this is better than I give it credit for. Yeah. But I have a hard time believing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be rushing to theaters to see this one, uh, unless this manages to just blow people away. But if this was going to be, let's say like one of those HBO, ma- like, let's say this was made by Warner and it's going to go to HBO. Like, I might turn it on relatively quick. Yeah, because it's not anything extra for me. Well, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Raya uh, before we start talking ourselves in circles. But uh, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, this is a new Disney animated feature. This isn't Pixar, uh, but this is Disney animated. Uh, the the synopsis of this movie is in a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization. A warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. This will be hitting theaters as well as Disney Plus Premier Access on March 5th, so this Friday, uh, that you can be check, check out you know, safely at home and watch several times, or you can go to the theaters if you just missed that theater experience and you know, be safe and all that. But, uh, uh, but just, so let's just say, again, for, for anticipation level scale, you know, same, same thing as last time, no COVID. Uh, let's just say this is just a theatrical too. How soon do you think you'd be getting there? Do you think that you would uh, uh, opening weekend, matinee, rent, streaming, or never watch? I'd have to say the same thing with this at the risk of being a broken, a broken record, but just streaming for me on this one again. And it's not that this I think is a bad movie because I've seen the trailer and I think this movie could be a really great, really good movie. Mm -hmm. It's just that some of the jokes also you see in the trailer just make me just go, I am too old for this. If I was about 20 years younger, I would be dragging my parents to go see this movie. But right now, I'm it's I'm out of the age range for this movie, I'd say. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just probably be on like maybe the low side of matinee. Like I'd probably ru- I'd probably get to see it, but I don't, I don't necessarily necessarily would rush to see it, but I'd at least probably try to catch it, you know, before it left theaters on a big screen. You know, I'm sure my wife would want to see it probably a little sooner. Uh, than me but you know for the most part like I, I think there's enough about this that excites me but I think a lot of it is the studio um, I think a lot of that weight is going to be carried by the studio because like Disney animation has not had a perfect track record but like when's the last time that they made like a, a really not good movie that, I agree with you 100% there too and also same thing as uh, Chaos Walking I look at that cast and I think that cast is amazing sure. I almost want to see everything that cast does it's just like I said, I just feel like right. I'm too old to really kind of go see this movie. And also, I don't really have any reason to go see this movie because, I mean, I don't have any kids, don't have a wife or a girlfriend. So it's just like, mm-hmm. why would I want to watch this? Like, I don't have an incentive to go see this movie either. OK, so this is exactly where you are is exactly <laughs> where I was when Moana came out. And I eventually caught Moana when it hit Netflix. Uh, remember when Disney movies went to Netflix? Anyway, um <laughs> 
So I remember checking that out on Netflix because people couldn't shut up about how great it was. And so I watched it and I was mesmerized. I was like, this is amazing. Like, why did I not believe this? And, you know, Moana was a couple years after Big Hero 6, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all times. And it's also like right around the time of Wreck-It Ralph, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. And it's just like, you know, Disney has a good track record at this point. I take back what I said about the last time they've made a not great movie because I I haven't seen Frozen two but Fro I didn't even like Frozen one very much so why would I see the sequel but but Frozen was not a movie made for me so like there's that caveat uh, I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy it really much at all um, so to me that was the last time they moved. but again that was more so it didn't connect to me not necessarily is a bad movie I I just think I have enough trust enough faith in in Disney at this point. Uh, in Disney animation, in Disney uh, animated. And I mean, like you talked about, this voice cast is stellar. Yeah, I was about to say, I saw Aquafina and uh, Kelly Marie Trans, the headliners. And I'm just like, sold. <laughs> I right, love right. this cast. Well, and I mean, the there are four directors for this movie. There's two directors and two co-directors. And it looks like the people behind uh, Big Hero 6 uh, and Moana are also... So it's not just the studio, but it's the people that wrote Moana, directed Big Hero 6... You know, we're in the animation department for um, Princess and the Frog, uh, wrote Meet the Robinsons, whatever that means to you, um, directed the uh, the Winnie the Pooh 2016 movie, like some pretty decent stuff here, wrote Brother Bear, wrote Emperor's New Groove, wrote Tarzan, like some really good stuff there from, at least that, that's Don Hall, but director for Blind Spotting, um, director of a couple episodes of Legion. Uh, that's uh, okay. That's, you said the director of Blind Spotting. That may have just bumped it up to matinee for right, me. Right, right. <laughs> so Carlos I love Lopez Blind Spotting. Some of the co-directors are, let's see, yeah. Again, Frozen, Princess of the Frog, Big Hero Six. Uh, it looks like they're either like art department or um, voice actors, but apparently uh, getting a shot to direct. At least that was uh, yeah, Paul Briggs. It looks like John Rippa has spent a lot of time in animation department. Zootopia, Big Hero Six, Tangled, Moana. I mean, we're talking some of Disney's best recently. I'm starting to think Disney hired you in order to convince me to go see this movie in a theater. <laughs> well, and look, the animation department, because like also totally, for, uh, like, I don't know how we left out Zootopia when talking about things earlier, but uh, the Treasure Planet, Tarzan, Huntback in Notre Dame, which, you know, how we feel about that movie, Pocahontas, The Page Master, all the way back to The Lion King. Like, this is, like, these people are stacked. And we talked about cast. Like, Kelly, Mir- K- Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong, Sandra Oh. Alan Tudyk, anything with Alan Tudyk is going to have, uh, um, I think, Soon Kang, who plays Han in the Fast and Furious movies. Like, lots of uh, really recognizable people, people here from the primarily uh, Asian community. I, I just don't know, because, uh, gosh, it's same thing with Onward. Like, something about that trailer was just like, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I just, I'm not sure that's going to be for me. Everything about me is just saying, like, this is going to be good and you're going to have a good time. Now, I will say, I watched both the U.S. trailer and I watched the international trailer. Okay. The U.S. trailer was a series of me just going, you have me, you've lost me, you've had me, you lost me. The international trailer, you had me the whole way. Okay. That international trailer is really good. Yeah, I, I actually might bump my answer back up instead of just saying uh, streaming actually to matinee because, I mean, like I said, blind spotting and now I'm thinking about the international trailer. It's <laughs> making me think. I mean, like I said, I think this is going to be an excellent movie. Okay. I guess I just feel like, at least in my personal case, it's not necessarily a movie made for me, sure. but it's going to be a very good movie. Well, and again, the idea for this anticipation level is not necessarily like because, like, if you go to try to a matinee, like, you might wind up with you know a preschool class trip, right? You know, you might end up with 
a, a mother of a couple who takes her girlfriend and they're all of their kids to a the- like obviously like not ideal situation but just happens like we're not trying to think about it things in that extent we're trying to think about things in uh in terms of i should change matinee discount night <laughs> opening weekend discount night whatever. <laughs> so like you know we're not trying to think of in terms of of all that because again you know even like with chaos walking i said i think i would like to see this on the big screen but i'm just not excited enough to really say i would go so um so like that's also something to consider in uh, taking into consideration. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you say you think this could be excellent, then yeah, I mean, um, so let's let's kind of use this as a transitioning point then to this is going to be released in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. So the pay thirty dollars and get access to it. I think um, Mulan was three months before it just regular hits Disney Plus. Uh, it could be two months. So, but you get early access. You could watch it as many times as you want. You just own it on Disney Plus. Would you pay thirty dollars to to do this? Personally, I would say no. Okay. Just because of the fact that I don't know how much I'm going to watch this. Okay. I mean, I would easily pay a ticket to go see like a $5 ticket on a discount night or in a matinee to go watch this movie. But $30 seems a bit excessive to me. Sure. I'm not saying I haven't paid $30 to get access to a movie before, but right. this just seems like it's a little bit much. I'd just rather wait. Because I think you said before, it's like it's like that for three months, and then it's just on Disney Plus, right? Anyways, yeah. So if, I think if this was something different, to where like Disney Plus said, "All right, thirty dollars now, wait a couple months, and you can access it for twenty. Wait a couple months, you can access for it for ten. Wait a couple months, you can access for five. Wait a couple with within a year, it's on for free. Like totally different story, you know? Because I'm not waiting a year to see this movie. <laughs> I would have paid thirty dollars to see Soul, but there'd be very few I think that I would pay $30 to see. So I mean, $30 is a, that's a very steep price for a movie. Right. Well, I mean, but obviously it was like $30 for multiple tickets. Yeah, sure, that's good. $30 just for me to be the only one to watch it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. I will likely either be catching this in the theater at some point where I feel like me and my wife can go and there probably won't be too many people um or uh, trying to get access on Disney Plus, uh, but I'm not paying the thirty dollars. So try to see if they will, they will, if Disney Plus will hook me up, or if, uh, or just waiting until it's free on Disney Plus. We did that with Mulan, and no regrets about that. But yeah, but like also like if this was, you know, Paramount Plus just announced uh, all their stuff uh, as we we're talking about it yesterday, um, two days ago actually, two days ago. So we're recording on Thursday. It came out Tuesday. So Paramount Plus announced that they're going to do movies on Paramount Plus. 45 days after theatrical release and like i think that's a great plan because that was my big gripe with hbo max I'm like look i like the 30-day window i just wish it wasn't that first 30 days because you're severely hindering the box office uh, and i want your movies to make money i want to support uh theaters things like that and so i feel like paramount plus i really like their strategy and they're offering 50 percent off right now so i just went ahead and signed up for a year uh, because 50 dollars for a year is not bad for a streaming service but like you know if this was going to be on Disney Plus for free in 45 days, I might just wait. I might just wait until that. But I, I'm just not paying the the $30 to see this. I would have to be over the moon excited, you know, something like Soul. No, I'm with you 100% there. It would have to be something just like the what you feel like is the Cantonist film of the year. Yeah. So uh, now what about what about like ratings if this comes out? Uh, would that change your opinion? Oh, absolutely. If it's like this is 100% or Rotten Tomatoes, for example – absolutely it would change my opinion okay it's the same with chaos walking if this was came out it's like oh this is an amazing movie you have to see this movie i would absolutely bump it up on when i plan to see it sure 
So if this is as highly regarded as Big Hero 6, Moana, Onward, something like that, probably. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I don't, see, again, I'd probably maybe try to go to the theaters, but if it just wasn't in the cards for us or or whatnot, you know, I maybe could see myself pulling the trigger on, on it. But, uh, well, $30 is just a lot for two people. If you had a lot of people, like family or friends, that wanted to see it as well, thirty dollars is not too bad. You right. have a couple of people pitch in. Yeah, just... That's the other thing. If I if I if I find two people in the area, invite them over, and just four of us watch it, and it's thirty bucks, and they you know they split it halfway, and you know pay fifteen, like okay, fine, uh, I'm here for that. Uh, so I mean, maybe that might even be an okay thing to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we're good. I feel like that's a We've said our piece. I've said my piece, right? Yeah. You said yours? Yeah, I'm good. I said uh, what I feel like needs to be said about this. Great. Well, let's talk about a little bit older of a Disney movie. We're going to be talking about Inspector Gadget. This is the 1999 Matthew Broderick classic. You can find this streaming on Disney+, Plus, not for $30, just on Disney+. Plus. Synopsis for this movie is a security guard's dreams come true when he is selected to be transformed into a cybernetic police officer. Uh, Joseph, uh, we've, we've kind of mixed things up here, uh, this, this, uh, this six-month period, with the way that we knew the nostalgia films. Because uh, I used to just say, hey, just pick a movie from your childhood and that you haven't seen in forever. And a lot of times, uh, they people just would be stumped. Like, it's hard to, to communicate that. And so I just decided, you know, let's just make it a little easier. I'm going to send you a list and you pick from this relatively extensive list. And Inspector Gadget was on this list. So what, what's your history with this movie? And why did you pick Inspector Gadget out of anything on the list? Oh man, but say it's like I think the original like, intent of the nostalgia pick is just you see a movie and you thought I have not seen this movie in a long time or even really thought about this movie, but I remember really liking it. And I think I still have the VHS that I would watch this movie on a lot. Nice. I mean, I probably would actually have watched it on VHS if I knew for sure our old VHS player still worked. Right. But I mean, I remember watching it a lot. I remember watching Inspector Gadget two a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things I always remembered putting it, be able to put it in and always knew I had a very fun time watching this movie. Mm -hmm. And I uh, I will say also, and I just realized this uh, recently, I did not know French Stewart was the guy who played Gadget in the second movie. I did not realize Matthew Broderick. By the way, this is the first time I ever saw Matthew Broderick on film Uh in this movie. I did not realize he did not come back for the second movie. I am pretty sure I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off before this. I'm I'm pretty sure I must have. Maybe I could be wrong about that, but that would have probably been my first exposure to Matthew Broderick. Uh, and yeah, French Stewart, of course. I I noticed it as a kid, and uh, because I'd seen French Stewart and other things, uh, and so I recognized him. Gosh, I can't even remember what I'd seen him in, but uh, but I remember being so hyped for that DVD. I I probably watched the Spectre Guide two more than I did the first one. But I want to say I did as well, yeah. But uh, I think a lot of it was like, you know, I was born in 95, so I was four when Inspector Gadget came out, and Inspector Gadget 2 came out in 2003. Yeah, okay, so I'd have been eight. And so, you know, e- yeah. I mean, either way, I think four and eight are pretty decent, uh, decent ages to watch a movie like this. But yeah, I would have been six and ten. Okay, so I think there was just a... Uh, I don't. I just remember also like I have a vivid memory for some reason about being at uh, a friend's birthday party. It was an overnighter, and I brought this movie with me just because I loved it. It was like right when it came out on DVD. Gosh, it's so embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey, that's better than what I would do whenever I went to friends' houses. I would bring the VHS of the 
documentary of when they discovered the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I was a nerd as a kid. Nice. Well, um, that has not changed. Yeah, my, so my history is I definitely have seen this a couple times. Like I said, I think I've seen two more, but I haven't seen either of them probably since third grade, I would say. Uh, so that would be, gosh, uh, got to do math here. Actually, no, because I was in kindergarten in 2000. So 2003, 2004, probably about a year after two came out. I'd probably watched it a lot in that year. Uh, so, yeah, I yeah. probably haven't seen this in 15 years at least. Uh, yeah, probably 15 years. So, yeah, I'd have to say the same. It's I was still in elementary school when I last watched these movies. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I haven't thought about them too much. So, uh, yeah, this is this is exactly what nostalgia is for. So, Joseph, in uh, in watching this movie recently, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it was just okay? This movie is so stupid, but I am a hundred percent here for it. Okay. <laughs> I honestly loved watching this movie, <laughs> despite the fact that I, looking at it, think, oh my god, this is so stupid. <laughs> okay, this is going to be interesting. Gosh, I had a decent time watching this movie. I don't. I think it's impossible to have a bad time watching this movie, but I still am going to land in the dislike it category. No, I, I can understand. It's not a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's just... So this is all the good memories came back to me as I was watching this. Right. Well, and this is look, it's an 80 minute movie. It's hard to be mad at an 80 minute movie. It's got some fun set pieces. It's got some like interesting things to do. Like it's like there are a lot worse things to do. And especially like 80 minutes is a quick breeze. Like I, I had an okay time watching this movie. Uh, it felt like it just flew by pretty quickly. Um, honestly, it felt like it was like 30 minutes. <laughs> I, like, I remember lot- actually looking at it and thinking, wait a second, this is only like 80 minutes. I remember this being right. longer. What happened? Well, but a lot of what made that 80 minutes feel like it was 30 to me it, this time watching it is that it has nothing in between the main set pieces they want to do. They're, like it, This feels like they they had the basic idea of, all right, now we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. That's how the movie goes. And then when they went to filming, they're like, "Oh, we got to find a way to connect this to this." Okay, uh, let's just let's just have somebody say a line of dialogue, and it'll be okay. So yeah, this is a weird. I am gonna like this is not a good movie. It is so bad. It is practically atrocious. Uh, but no, I'm 100 percent with you there. But I had a good time. Like, and, and and that's and that's the thing, right? So like, it, this is this is one of those movies that breaks that scale because like. You know, I had a good time, but no, I didn't like this movie. <laughs> so, uh, gosh, uh, where do you want to start? There are so many uh, really great moments in this movie, too. Uh, like at the very beginning when uh, Claw uh, goes to steal the foot, and he ends up causing uh, John Brown's car to crash. <laughs> it's yeah. the sign, and all of a sudden it cuts the sign. I had forgotten that's how Yahoo used to advertise. We yeah. just the guy shouting Yahoo. <laughs> Yeah, I, when that happened, I knew I was going to have a blast watching this movie. <laughs> like I said, so, it brought back all the really good memories and stuff like that. When that opening sequence happened, just everything up until his death, I was like, I'm going to hate, I'm going to love and hate watching this movie at the same time. Because uh, like this is like really bad filmmaking. This is really bad script writing. This is really bad lots of things. Uh, but this is just so ridiculous that it's kind of a fun time. <laughs> and and like 
there were so many things about this that just don't make any sense at all. Like even in that first, par- like I, I, the first note I ever wrote for this movie is that uh, the it's animated by your heart, not by your head. Is literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. We're talking yeah. about science here. We're talking about controlling a foot. We're talking about trying to to get yourself to control a body part. How on earth could that be mo- animated by your heart, not your head? It's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, I, I'm with you there. I like I like the idea behind it. Is like you're you don't have don't force it. Like just. Feel it, I guess, would be the way to put it, because you don't really force yourself to walk. You just kind of feel but you want to go for that this way. Scenario. That way. <laughs> no, I'm with, I, again, I'm with you there. It's just, Gosh. yeah, there's, I think, I can't remember how far in the movie it was, but I know there's one point where the female lead, whose name is escaping me right now, just goes, Dad told me I know when the right man came along. I'm just sitting there thinking, yes, he's talking I about dating. <laughs> I wrote that. Too. <laughs> he's talking well, about getting married. <laughs> Well, but they also talked about like how whoever were to be the Inspector Gadget, that whoever, you know, when the right man came along, she'd know. But like the reason why I wrote this down is this is the laziest movie I have seen in a long time. And like I've oh, seen yeah. some lazy movies. This is lazy because he 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 gets hurt and he like in in the most ridiculous uninspired way of all time. He he gets blown up. Yeah, a cigar not- designed as dynamite. <laughs> Right, but also like just uh, and like not getting out of his car, even though he's dangling upside down and trying to arrest somebody. Like, you know, and like he yeah, gets blown up in his car. Get he gets blown up in his car, but his skin is still okay. Like, <laughs> and his brain didn't disintegrate. You know, like lots of. Uh, <laughs> Does he want to save them? Better be a hedge of protection. I mean, one, the plot demanded it. Two, it wasn't a Ford Pinto. <laughs> I thought it was a Ford Pinto, honestly, until he made a comment of being a Chevette. I'm like, oh, that explains why he lived. So, uh, so like the perfect example of laziness in this movie to me was when they're talking about that. Daddy said, uh, when the right man came along, I'd know. And she says that to the mayor, who they're about to invest millions of dollars to re- like practically revive him and turn him into you know the six million dollar man essentially. And the mayor's just like, good enough for me. And it's like. What? <laughs> like this whole like I get that this movie is kind of a caricature caricature of itself, but like it's just so lazy. If this isn't like turn this movie into an animated feature film instead of whatever, and I'm definitely willing to excuse a lot more. But gosh, like because there's times where they want you to feel weight, and they want you to feel levity, and they want you to feel emotions. Like you haven't earned this. No, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Oh man, uh, but this also was just the most '90s experience I've had in a while. <laughs> you can, uh, you can I literally show this to that. someone, not give them a day, and they go, "This is the '90s. This has to be the '90s." <laughs> I I cannot say that just because of having to watch some of these movies for uh, uh, for nostalgia. I'm thinking of Brink specifically, <laughs> so I cannot say yeah. this is the most '90s movies I've seen in a while. Yeah, I also uh, well, completely forgot when I watched this because I remember. Oh, the reason they came up with, oh, Claw has a claw for a hand is because a bowling ball fell on his hand. I yep. forgot when the bowling ball was falling, they cut into the car, and you see the bowling ball hit the panel in front oh, of his obviously. hand. I'm just like, wait, this is for kids? <laughs> obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, let's show someone getting their hand crushed. <laughs> I also have another note in here that says, so Penny's parents are presumably dead, and they live with Uncle John. And it's never explained. Like, not once. <laughs> like, they're just like, okay, 
And I get that this is also based off of the animated TV series, but like, I didn't grow up watching the animated TV series. And like, it's not really something I had questions about as a kid. I watched a couple episodes of the animated series as I got a little older, but you know, I didn't have these questions as a kid, but I'm just like, this is a perfect example of laziness. Like, you could just write this to be different to where like Penny's the daughter and the mother died or whatever. It's like, it does, it literally doesn't matter. Or there's, there's no, there's no backstory. There's not even like a casual like encounter of like, you know, remember the last things or remember what I told you after your parents died and you came over like nothing, not a single hint at any sort of their past relationship other than it seems like she's been living with him for forever. Oh yeah. Uh it would have been better if they had had that kind of more personal connection other than just Uncle John, I live with you. And that's all we're going to talk about now. Right. Right. So let's see, let's talk about some positives for, for a hot second. Then we can maybe get back to some of the things. Um, uh, I love Matthew Broderick in this role. I, I mean, in general, oh, yeah. I, I think he's a pretty lovable person in a lot of the movies he's been in, but I, he's just, he just looks like he's having fun. And, uh, oh, yeah. and it translates well. I do think that he is part of the saving grace of this movie. He's part of the, I'm having a lot of fun. It's a lot of it is still, it, it, it's him. And that's, uh, yeah, I think you cast somebody else different and, uh, maybe I don't like this movie anywhere near as much. Maybe I didn't enjoy watching it. Cause like I didn't wa- enjoy any of the scenes with the guy who plays, uh, the claw. I actually found him annoying. And I remember finding him annoying as a kid, like, especially at the helicopter yeah. scene at the end where he's just like, yeah. It was just like mimicking everything the girl says. I'm like, dude, shut up. <laughs> and, then, and then when he, she just goes, I liked you better fat. <laughs> and you think he's going to be obs- like, uh, angry at her. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, he's all for just gorging himself now. He's an angry elf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. There's one thing I was about to say that happens in there that it's just it hit me perfectly. OK. And it was after the claw has captured Gadget. They have him strapped to a table. His shirt's off. His like innards are exposed. And of course, you have like the tape measure. You have all this, all this weird stuff just right. making the gadget. And gadget's just like you're never get away with this claw. And he just goes, "You seem like someone who watches too many Saturday morning cartoons." And then everyone looks at the camera. Okay, <laughs> that moment was perfect. <laughs> I, I have two things to say about that scene. Number one. That scene is a perfect representation about how lazy this movie is. Because I looked it up. This was a $90 million movie. $90 million to make this movie. And it took in 114 at the worldwide box office. $90 million to make this movie. And it is the laziest movie I have ever seen. Uh, uh, Although, here's another note, though. This has better CGI than the first Spider-Man movie. So... Oh yeah, that is true. Somehow, <laughs> like, and and that's not saying much. You know, this movie CGI is is very either bad or sometimes decent. But uh, you know, I can't get that image of when the Green Goblin disintegrates the people out of my head because, gosh, what terrible effects! Anyway, God, I think the, those effects are so bad I just blocked them from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> so you can completely tell, like, a perfect example of how lazy this is is when Claw has him opened up exactly that scene you're talking about and you can clearly see that the proportion of his head to his body does not match because they just made a casing and put it around him but they didn't take the time to like try to make it as fitting as possible and it looks really awful and so my note was i'm pretty sure the budget for this movie was six dollars so imagine my shock when i find out this was 90 million dollar budget <laughs> yeah i did not know it was that much of a budget for this movie wow 
I yeah. guess the, the helicopter must have cost eighty million or something. Well, <laughs> look, look, Matthew Project was certainly you know couldn't have been cheap because you know Ferris Bueller and he is a well known actor. None of the rest of the cast are probably terribly expensive people. Probably none of your cast. No, I mean, except I, for Mr. T. Mr. T was in the movie for a hot second. So yeah, I must say those mid credit scenes, aside from a couple of them, I actually really like. Like the uh, one with the. I think it's like Henchman Anonymous or something like that, where all the villains that are just like the side villains are basically sure. going to this group therapy. That worked really well for me. Because, I mean, you're seeing these like guys, you're like, hey, there's Odd Job. Hey, there's uh, Jaws. Yeah. Even though they're not listed as those characters in the, so, in the uh, credits or anything right. like that. So, so I want to go back to my, my first thing, and then I want to get to this. We'll just have a whole list of things. So the same scene where you talked about the uh, somebody's been watching too many Saturday morning cartoons and everybody looks at the camera. No, I disagree with you. That did not work for me at all. I hated it. I hated it so much. And uh, and this uh, I wrote down a quote earlier from the movie, too, uh, when they say, strap on your seatbelt. This is a Disney movie, after all. And I was just like, I hate you. I hate you so much, yeah. Car. <laughs> I got to admit, Car was... A weak spot for me. There was a lot of moments with Car. I thought, okay, this is actually pretty solid. That one specifically, I'm just like, no, there was, no. There was certainly some fun moments, and I think that the the voice actor uh, D.L. Hughley did a great job um, doing what he what he meant to do. But like this this movie was so lazy, and then tried to play all wink wink nudge nudge, and just it pissed me off. Going back to to what you were talking about, the the hardest time I ever laughed in this movie in this movie was during the credits. Because they list like your just primary characters, and then they go to all the people that are in that post credit scene where uh, it's Claw is talking to a bunch of villains, right? No, it's um, it's the henchman is talking to a bunch of uh, of villains, and you can clearly see Odd Job, and you can see um, Jaws. Yeah, Mr. T. You can see Jaws. I think that's his like, name. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can see. You could see all these villains. You know exactly who they are, but because of rights issues and whatnot. Uh, let's see. Famous villain with a deadly hat was the credit. <laughs> famous, assist- famous assistant to Dr. Franken-something was another one. And Bane of the bumbling, idiotic, yet curiously successful French detective's existence. Who knew we were to talk about Hercule Poirot <laughs> twice on this episode so far? <laughs> I, was I, say, I actually had to go back and look and like figure out who everyone was because it just happened so fast. Look, and, and he doesn't and, really catch everybody. And immediately when I saw that cut, well, and it starts off with Mister T as himself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was, oh gosh, I was in the middle of watching it, and uh, I was just like, I hate this. But as the credits kept on going, I'm like, oh, the re- director knows this is terrible, and he's having fun with it. Okay, so like I warmed up to it. At their point, but I laughed really hard at first. So. Yeah, uh, I think there's one point in the credits also where uh, it just says the voice of brain dot dot yeah. dot. Really, <laughs> it's like you're making me have to be like, wait a second, did I really actually see that scene? <laughs> Do I have to believe this? Yeah, you Do mentioned that this movie's just '90s as hell, and uh, it, I have it's not a movie from 1999 if it doesn't have All Star in it. <laughs> it has All Star in it. <laughs> I yep. think that's what sold it for me on that. Let's see. I have. I, I want to talk about two more notes. I only have four more total notes, but two of them I want to save for the for the end. Uh, gosh, uh, what kind of a hole has a rolling counter of his net worth on the front of his desk? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I loved that. Just because of the fact it's like the movie just going, he's evil. Like neon sign. He is exactly. You do not exactly. need any doubt for this. Uh, let's see. And the other one is this is the easiest case in the history of cases because it's literally like he gets the coin or whatever and it says SI and he spends like 30 minutes trying to figure out what S is. He's like, oh, it's C. And then he drives by a billboard and Petty points it out and it's like, okay. It, like they've let's see this they've had enough time for him to die uh, almost die apparently uh, get reassembled as inspector gadget train him and whatnot and then give him like a week's worth of assignments and the police couldn't figure out that this dude was responsible for it i call bs on this i call I bs say, on other this than just movie yeah, I was about to say other than this the reaction of the chief of police just not caring I actually feel like the police characters were pretty good in this movie. Like, yeah, actually, this guy is like, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of money. Why are we even doing this? Mm-hmm. But the the ent- entire inaction just made no sense to me. Uh, okay. I was about to say, there's also when they were training him. And I'll admit, this is definitely a moment when it's just, you know this movie is stupid, and it knows it's stupid. When they're training Gadget, and they have the guy holding the two balls that sits them on the ground. It's like, visualize the balls in front of you. And all of a sudden, Gadget's hand just shoots forward, and the guy hits Alto. <laughs> yeah. That was so stupid. That was the scene that hit me in the nostalgia the most. Like, So yeah. it was one of those things where I knew this movie beat by beat as soon as I turned it on. And it was just, and it was just as soon as the scene started, I was like, oh, I know exactly what happens here. And this is I, stupid. That was 100% me. Yeah. <laughs> I know it happens here. This is stupid, but I love it either way. Right, he winds up he winds up grabbing his balls and he goes to alto. Yeah, he goes to falsetto. Uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> either way, he hit a note I could never dream to achieve. <laughs> but I will say, like I said, some bad things about it was like just like I said, the bowling ball. Like I forgot that it actually shows the point where it, like looks like it hits him in the hand, and crushes his hand, uh-huh. and then there's later on in the movie where there's evil gadget. Uh, tormenting the city and the crowd's running and all of a sudden you see this woman and she falls I'm just like oh my god they just showed a woman getting trampled (laughs) (laughs) this is a kids movie (laughs) what are they doing that and also in the junkyard when Gadget's quote unquote dead I can't again I can't remember her name but she kissed the female lead kisses uh, Gadget Gadget all of a sudden comes back to life it's like oh he didn't need the chip I'm like this is some bull Yep. Oh, it's animated by the heart, not by the head, you know? (laughs) Yeah. This is purely the plot is demanding he comes back. Exactly. There is no other reason other than the plot. Exactly. Uh, Brenda is the female lead's name, by the way. Brenda. Uh, My favorite moment of this movie was, and again, one of those things just hit me in nostalgia. I knew it was coming as soon as I saw it. But when she just does a backflip off the roof, because... (laughs) <laughs> she was annoying. She was in the movie for a total of like twenty five seconds, and the, you know, it wasn't one of those like it wasn't one of those like sidekicks. You got to get through me to get to the bad guy. She was just like, "All right, I'm a gymnast. Watch me!" And then whoop 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 whoop, and just jumps over the side of a building. And it's like that's satisfying. Yeah, I remember I saw that happen. I'm like, oh yeah, that happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when the clone came out. I was like, oh yeah, right. They make the clone. Yeah. And then she and dies, I'm like, gadget. good, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, same with Evil Gadget. It's like, oh, they have Evil Clone. Evil Evil Gadget dies. Good. <laughs> right. And, well, no, and he doesn't die. He just covers off his head, kicks it in the water, and the body's still running around at the, like, the very last shot of the movie in the credits, you know. 
So yeah. I'm convinced there's a sequel where he comes back. <laughs> I tweeted. What would be great? I tweeted today that uh, I'm sure you saw it, but I tweeted today one of my favorite things I've ever tweeted in a long time, which is just rumor uh, Matthew Broderick has been cast in Spider-Man 3 as Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I've been waiting for the MCU to bring him back. Oh, that that would actually be really funny if just in the middle of the movie you see headless evil Gadget running by. Yeah. Well, I just it just occurred to me, it's like, oh, this is a Disney property, and since Spider-Man 3 is casting everybody, why not? And, like, just to make that yeah, joke. Yeah, why not? I, I just, I'm really proud of that joke. Yeah, that, that, uh, would, like, so that would just be a very funny moment. Like, if, it's just, like, in the background, just like, as something you shouldn't really notice. It's just, like, you see just headless evil gadget just running by with a crowd of people or something like that. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of those things, like, if, if I ever wanted to go viral for one tweet... <laughs> That would be in the top five. And, and like, I want it to go so viral that the director for Spider-Man 3 winds up just, like, having the Inspector Gadget movie on in the background of a shot. Just just so he can be like, there you go, he was right. Oh, man. That, that would be hilarious to see. God, like I said, I had a lot of fun, but I can I can admit this is not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the very last note, I wanted to save this one for, for last, is that... Um, the gadget mobile has a soda dispenser with surge in it, and that should tell you everything about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that I will give you that. That was one of those brief <laughs> moments where I was just like, oh yeah, surge was a thing. I mean surge has made a, a comeback. That actually existed. It has made a comeback. I tried it and I'm just like, now I remember why I never drank this. Yeah, I don't like this. Surge is a purely purely nostalgia drink, but yeah, it's just like this is a surge dispenser in a vehicle, and that should tell you yeah. everything you need to know about this movie. Uh, I'm all out of notes. Do you have any other notes? No, I think I'm good. Cool. All right, Joseph, uh, for people that are in the same situation like us, haven't seen it in probably 15 years, would you recommend they go back and watch this movie? Or do you think that this is better just left in their in their memories? I almost want to say it's probably better left in your memories, but if you're willing to accept that this movie is a high level of stupid, Mm-hmm. And just lean it, like dive into it, and not overthink it. You will have a good time. If I if I had kids or something like that, if I was uh, babysitting a niece or a nephew or something like that, I would consider probably putting this on because I know those kids would just be too busy watching the movie to care about anything else. Yeah, I would not blame you at all if you just wanted to leave this in the past and just keep the good memories in the past. Gosh, I'm torn. I'm really, really, really torn. Because, like, part of me is like, this is a terrible movie. It is much worse than you remember. But part of me is also like, but it's also kind of a good time. So so maybe let me say this. Maybe this is what I'll say. If you want to revisit this, you should do so in a way that affects certain elements of your mind. <laughs> uh, I think I know what you're saying here. You should legally obtain certain substances and ingest them and then watch this movie is uh is is my recommendation um if you i gotta are, say if you are to watch this again yeah i gotta say that actually makes me really curious about what that would be yeah that would either be the greatest thing ever or pure nightmare fuel probably a little bit of both probably a little bit of both <laughs> but but yeah i so so that i guess that's my thing is under the right conditions you can choose to watch this again but only under the right conditions whether that's your babysitting a niece or a nephew or you only have 80 minutes 
<laughs> and you need something or like this might be a good movie to like cheer you up for something like if you're just kind of down in the dumps if you're frustrated because you know being an adult sucks maybe maybe i could recommend this one just to cheer oh you yeah up. i will say it it definitely cheered me up quite a bit watching this movie yeah same i i i had a smile on my well i didn't have a smile on my face i had a smile in my body i definitely didn't have a smile on my face but i just felt good so Oh, yeah, I, I felt really good about this, and the bad thing is, immediately after I got done watching it, I was going to watch the pick I had for the BEC that week, mm-hmm. and the power went out. It came <laughs> back on like 20 minutes later, but then the power went out, and I just went, I picked the wrong movie to watch first. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it. There's our nostalgia pick. Uh, next month, I'm talking with Vincent. Uh, Vincent has not yet picked a movie because I haven't sent it to him. So I'll be talking with a different nostalgia movie uh, with Vincent. Should be a lot of fun. As always, there's our thoughts on Expector Gadget, but we have two more little parts of the show that we gotta we gotta talk about first. Uh, we're gonna move on to the B plot. The B plot uh, is, uh, by the way, reminder: you can send us questions to explore during the B plot. We'd love to do that. Joseph does that fairly frequently. Um, you can do that. Yeah, I'm gonna run out eventually. You need to send a couple in, guys. <laughs> you gotta DM me on Twitter, or uh, or even just put it in public on Twitter, or you know, send an email to writersroom at sifpop.com. Either, any of those ways, I'd happily uh, take your uh talk about this uh anything in pop culture uh, would love to to talk about joseph uh i i what i wanted to do this week is i wanted to you at least among the sif pop community are notorious for your as you quote mountain of shame uh because most movie lovers have a list of shame but apparently your list is so big it is a mountain and so I thought, let's talk about our list of shames. Let's talk about our, your mountain of shame and my list of shame because I don't really talk about, too, like, I don't know that I've necessarily done this on the show. So, like, uh, movies that are, like, really, like, oh, wow, you haven't seen that. Um, so uh, I think we'll have to figure this out as we go. But I think let's kind of go back and forth. And I'm going to let you kick us off. We won't get to talk about every movie in, in super depth. But, uh, but we will do our best. Yeah, I was about to say, there's some movies I have in my uh, quote-unquote mountain of shame that are just there because it's like, I'll use Everest as an example. Not necessarily a normal mountain of shame movie, but the subject it's based on is just a subject that I've read about a lot in the past. It just really intrigues me and draws my attention to it. Okay. Uh, What's funny is I've actually uh, knocked, I'm going to tell you the ones that I've actually knocked off the uh, mountain of shame somewhat recently. Uh, like for last week's BEC, I knocked off Easy Rider. Okay. This week, uh, I watched because I told my brother some of these movies, and some of them were he was just like, "What do you mean you haven't watched this? We were watching this this weekend." <laughs> and that was uh, "There Will Be Blood," uh huh, "The Wolf of Wall Street." Those are the two he specifically said we are watching these this week. This weekend, no matter what we do, we are watching these. Uh, I watched Argo because I happened to turn to HBO and saw it was on. I was like, I've never seen this. I'm going to watch it. Okay. Uh, I talked at the top of the show about uh, Singing in the Rain. That was one I definitely had not seen before. And it just was one of those I absolutely just wanted to see. And the other one I knocked off the uh, list of shame recently is uh, Hotel Rwanda. Yes. That is a very good movie, but it's a very hard movie to watch. Yes. For I'm trying to look to see if I have knocked out any uh, list of shame. Oh, actually, I have quite a, quite a few list of shame movies uh, recently. So I mean, obviously, the ones that we do for goats um, are definitely list of shame. But uh, I mean, the whole Rocky franchise, um, especially after we talked about Rocky, I, I went ahead and watched the rest of them. Um, that's for sure list of shame. So now I'm, uh, you want to know something real quick? 
You've never seen a Rocky, Rocky movie? movies are on the, that's just the list of shame. The Rocky movies are on the list of shame. Look, let me just encourage. Let me just encourage you that like they can wait. Like it's fine, but they can wait. Uh, I feel I, like I would want to watch Rocky one first, and then after a while, come back and watch the rest. No, no, I, I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend take a week and watch all of them, or take two weeks and watch all of them. When okay. you have some time, just binge them all. You'll want to. It'll be fun. All right. I'm also knocking off a bunch of old 007 movies, so uh, that's as as I'm going through them. But uh, those are on my list too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, aside from goats doing doing loud, you know, Arsenic and Old Days, Singing in the Rain, Miracle on 34th Street, His Girl Friday, Doctor Strange, Love, Citizen Kane, lots of things, and you know, a couple a couple that uh, you know I will continue to k- keep knocking off. Uh, let's see. I tried to narrow down, so I just looked at my watch list and I tried to narrow down and look at movies that are either accessible to me or just on my wish list, but like really that like people would be like, Oh really? You haven't seen that. Like movies that are legitimately worthy of being on a list of shame. Not, not just like people talk about this movie or like, not just like this is a generally loved movie. Like, like, no, no, like these are pretty well around loved movies. Some of them are a little bit more niche, but uh, there we go. I want to start with uh, the great dictator. Um, I've actually never seen a chaplain. Yes. Movie. Watch that movie. That okay. is an, Excellent movie. So I've never seen a Chaplin movie, actually. And so I, but with Criterion Sale earlier this week, uh, I decided I want if I was going to pick one up, um, now's the time to do it. And if I'm going to pick up one, it's going to be The Great Dictator. So, uh, and I know Gold Rush is on HBO Max. So um, also potentially we'll check out that sometime soon. So I'd say both of those uh, are definitely on my list of shame. But, you know, whenever my order gets here, I'll have it. Adding Gold Rush now. <laughs> I feel like this is going to happen quite a bit. I'm yeah. going to be adding movies. To let me list. let me let me get through a couple others, and let's let's we'll do it chunk at a time. Chunk at a time. Uh, let's see. Also, in my uh, Criterion order, I ordered the Before trilogy. That is, I've never seen any of them. The Before Sunrise, Sunset, and Midnight. Um, I own them on digital, but I just figured with this Criterion sale, like this is probably the definitive way, and you know, may, might encourage me to watch them a little quicker. So. I remember you talking about that on a previous episode, I think. Yeah, I know Robert loves them. I know lo- lots of people love them. Other movies that... I'm just going to go with all my Criterion ones on here. All the ones that I have pretty much, pretty much have access to. M, which is Dexter's favorite movie of all time, which we'll be talking about on Goats this uh, this year. Same with Rafifi. I think Rafifi is his second favorite movie of all time, uh, which we'll be talking about on Goats later. Eight and a Half... Also, I have on Criterion. I know Robert and I will be talking about that at some point. I don't point. think I've heard of that movie. It's a. It, it's definitely like a well-known. It, it's a lot of people's favorite movie about making movies. So, because eight and a half millimeter, that's on there. Uh, let's see the Charlie Chaplin or not Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton's The Kid. We'll we'll eventually talk about it with goats. I'm sure, but I bought the Criterion for Black Friday. Uh, let's see at least three more. Ikiru, um, which. I got on Criterion again. This is a new writer, John's third favorite movie of all time. This is Scott Derrickson's favorite movie of all time. Uh, Harakiri, a Japanese samurai one. And Come and See, which is the highest rated uh, movie on Letterboxd. Uh, Between all the Letterboxd ratings, this is the highest rated movie there. I think that's all my Criterions. Oh, The Great Escape. Also, I have that on digital. I need to watch it. 
because it's also on my list. Sure. Uh, uh, and uh, Amazon there too. So And The Last Temptation of Christ. So there we go. I'm done with all my criterions on my list of shame. And most of those I either own or – yeah, I think I think all of those I own. Okay. Some of the – like I said, I've seen The Great Dictator. I would highly recommend you watch that. I actually wrote a piece on Sift Pop about it because I remember I was watching it for the first time last year, and I thought, wow, this movie's really good. Wow, this movie feels like it's very timely for the situation we're in right now. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and give me like five or ten? Oh, man. I'm going to have to narrow this down as I go. Because, I mean, like I said, there are some on here that are just, I'm interested in this movie. Sure. It's not necessarily something people are going to be like, what do you mean you haven't seen this? Sure. I think I told you before the show, Arsenic and Old Lace, I have mm-hmm. never seen. And sure. it's near the top of my list because I have a friend, two friends actually, who very much like this movie. And I need, I, they, they're the kind of people that if they say this is a good movie, I'm going to trust them that it is a very good movie. Yes, you should watch Arsenic uh, and Old Lace. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's say there's also uh, Pulp Fiction, which that, is probably the one most people are going to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good, like, movie that's like, okay, like, that's weird. Yeah, what do you mean you haven't seen that? Right. The uh, Dollars Trilogy, I have never seen. That's uh, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, the good and bad, the ugly. Yeah. Those are high on the list. They're just ones I really want to see a lot. That's fair. I just don't like Westerns, and we did Good, Bad, the Ugly for... Uh, for goats, but I'm not interested. No, I understand. In- Westerns feel kind of like just a, almost like a niche genre. Yeah. Or niche genre, however you pronounce it. Yep. It's like you have to be in the right mood. You have to be in the right mindset to watch it. Yep. Never seen Fight Club. Oof. <laughs> Try to go in with uh, as open as a mind you can, as as fresh, as clean of a slate. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Naked Gun series, I really want to see. That's one of the comedies that are on here. Sure. I've only seen the first one. Let's see. What's another really good one? Uh, v for Vendetta. Mm. that's high on the list of ones I really want to see. That's my sweet spot. Uh, seven also. Mm-hmm. The green mile is one that I've had a lot of people I've told I'd never see. Just go, what? Yeah, that's a great movie, <laughs> which is also interesting because there is a house about 15, 20 minutes away from my parents where they built a temporary extension for the external shots of the warden's house in that movie. Nice. So I have, I have a couple of reasons to kind of want to see that. Sure. I have, I'm going to say Clerks is my way to say basically the entirety of Kevin Smith's filmography. Mm, man, I love me the, the Summersk universe. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, how I, many more do you want me to do for right now? Uh, give me give me three more. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. That's on mine it's as well? an older one. Uh, I added this from a uh, recent episode of uh, Writer's Room, actually. The Verdict. Verdict. Nice. I believe it was a writer's room. I could be thinking of a different podcast, but I remember somebody talking about it, speaking very highly of it. Well, it wasn't me, and I don't recall it. It, it. it, it must have been a different podcast could that I was listening to, but they were thinking very highly of it, so I added that to the list. Okay. This one is one I'm probably the most ashamed of because of the fact that it's uh, Brokeback Mountain. It was one of those films that, when I was in school, when it came out, much like the rest of my class, I picked and poked fun at it, and looking back... I realized how big of an idiot I was for doing that. Yeah. And I want to give this movie a second chance. Good. Yeah, I mean, uh, knowing how uh, Jack, I think it was Jack Nicholson who announced Best Picture for the year, the awards for the year it came out. Mm -hmm. And he pulled out the envelope and he's just like, crash? (laughs) Like he was shocked that it wasn't Brokeback Mountain almost. All films it had to be, it was crashed. Yep. So, I mean, I know it's considered like a very, very good movie and I just want to give it a second chance that I think it deserves. Yep. All right, uh, I'll go with a couple. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, uh, The Apartment. That's on mine. 
Cinema Paradiso, Lawrence of Arabia, of course. That's online. Once Upon a Time in America, the only movie ever long, longer than Lawrence of Arabia, I'm sure. Uh, at least that I've, I'm aware of. I don't of. think I've heard of that one before. I'm going to have to look that one up. It's also Sergio Leone and stars uh, Robert De Niro. So, uh, Once Upon a Time in know. America. Uh, let's see. Well, I was thinking with some older movies. The Third Man. This is an uh, older Orson Welles one. Uh, That's that mine. Is getting a, no, Touch of Evil is getting a, a re-release. Let's see. We'll go Raging Bull. I talked about that with Robert a couple weeks ago a little bit. John Carpenter's The Thing is on my list of shame. Both of those are movies that are on the list as well for me. Great. Uh, Well, here's another one that's on your list. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which I'm watching next month. That is definitely on the list. That is absolutely on the list. I'm going to have to knock that out before next month. Uh, Let's go with another really long movie, The Deer Hunter. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. uh, And let's go with Amadeus is on my list as well as Rashomon. Uh, actually, I, I do I do have that one on Criterion. Uh, that's also one I have, but Rashomon. Amadeus, yes, for me, that's on my list. Rashomon, I don't actually think I've heard of. Ooh, it's a Kurosawa. So yeah, you, you may have to send me the link to some of these movies. So I, I, that way I see what it is and get an idea. You have you have access of, uh, to, to all the movies that are on my list. You can you can un, <laughs> unhighlight them in black anytime you want. Yeah, uh, that is true. And I will uh, just do one more here. I will say uh, Pain's Labyrinth. One I watched that in Spanish tour. class, if I remember right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Like I watched a Spanish version of that when I was in high school. Yeah, so let's get I a mean, let's get a couple more from you, briefly. Let's do like five or ten more. Here's a big one: uh, being John Malkovich. Okay, that's again high on the list. There, uh, Children of Men. I have on here simply because of the fact that I've caught like the very beginning of it that's several times. But every movie. time it comes on, I just am not in a position where I can sit down and watch it. That is an excellent movie. This one surprised my coworker when I told him I hadn't seen this. Mister D- uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, sure. That's a that's a classic for people our age. The Usual Suspects. Ooh, yeah, great. I have the pianist on here. That's a that's a fine movie. Yeah, that's one I'm just conflicted on because of the whole uh, Roman Polanski. I mean, stuff. I mean, art from artist, but it, it's it's a really long movie. It's kind of boring. It's a very important story. Yeah, you gotta be prepared to like. It's very slow paced. It, it's a three and a half say, hour I, movie and it feels yeah. like it. Oh yeah. And I mean, I like those movies that are just the slow burn that just as time goes on, it just builds and builds Actually, and I'm builds. pretty sure it's only a two and a half hour movie, but it feels like a three and a half hour movie. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Anchorman. Oh, I love Anchorman. <laughs> I love Anchorman. There are moments from that movie I know, but I've never seen that movie all the way through. Uh, Psycho is also on this list. Okay. I'm trying to find some that are going to make your jaw just drop. Uh, I mean, look, we, there's very few you could say, I think. Like, unless Shawshank is yeah. on your list, but... Oh, no, I've seen Shawshank several yeah. times. Uh, let's see, Rear Window's on here. Mm, it's an excellent uh, movie. Kramer versus Kramer. Not seen that one either. Uh, this one I have on here simply because I've seen the first half of the movie, but I've never seen the second half. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I don't know how you can just watch the first half of the movie and not watch the second half, but I think it's because it was back when I was in college and I still had Netflix. Got it. I watched the first half and I got to the point. It's like, I need to go to bed. Sure. sure. I'll pause this and I'll come back later. And I just never got back to it. All right. I'll give a couple more here. Uh, let's see. Double indemnity. Mulholland drive. Uh, the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Can you see that a lot of these came from when uh Sif pop was doing their list of shames too? Let's see. Life is beautiful. The Conversation, which is the other movie that I'll be talking about next month with Robert. Uh, and Train Spotting, I think, is uh, 
pretty widely regarded movie. Uh, and I'll save the rest for for a little bit more. Uh, let's do two more rounds each. Yeah. Well, two, yeah, more, two more for you, one more for me. Okay. Gangs of New York is on here. Mm-hmm. As it should be. <laughs> That's yeah, as it should be because uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, have Unforgiven on here. I mean... I think that's a Clint Eastwood movie, I believe. If you like westerns. Yeah, I, I want to give westerns to try, because the fact that I love Star Trek, and that's been basically described as a space western. Right, right. Uh, here's a funny one. And it's only because of the fact that I have some friends that really like this movie. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that's also because I really like Dolly Parton, and I know she's in this movie. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I think you said uh, great, The Great Escape's on my list, yep. uh, along with Bullet. I added both of those, I think, the same time. So, I mean, they're both ones I really just need to see. Uh, you mentioned Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, I have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri on here. Ooh. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. I don't know how I missed that movie when it was uh, have you seen Have you seen either of the other uh, Martin McDonough movies before that, In Bruges or Seven Psychopaths? Seven Psychopaths, no. In Bruges... Funny enough, I watched that in a philosophy class. Okay. Uh, Seven Psychopaths is, is really good, too. It's the weakest of the three, but uh, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know why we were assigned in Bruges in this philosophy class. I just remember I it was a I think I can understand exactly why. And if you don't, then you need to rewatch it. I did not do great in that philosophy class either, so <laughs> that didn't right, help. A couple more, then I'll finish out my list. Uh, Shutter Island. Okay. Chinatown. Oh, Reed would be mad at you. That's his favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Uh, I about to say, uh, there's a reason I said I got Singing in the Rain off my list of shame last <laughs> night, because of the fact that I'm pretty sure Dicer would literally go, your services are not required, have fun, if <laughs> I told him I didn't watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, I also have The Elephant Man on here. Okay. I mean, a lot of these are like heavy-hitting movies, too, so. Sure. I'll say, I'll go ahead and pass it back to you for now, so that way I can give you just a couple of more big ones. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and just round out my list. Uh, let's see, uh, Amelie, which I know you have on yours as well. That is definitely on that list. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Graduate, which is Vincent's favorite movie of all time. Also on the list. Uh, the Sting, which I'm pretty sure Robert and I are talking about at some point. This uh, Also on my list. <laughs> let's see. Eyes Wide Shut, which I yeah. thought about watching this afternoon, but I didn't. Uh, Shadow of a Doubt, which we'll be talking about with Robert with Goats. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Dazed and Confused, Beetlejuice, and one last one, just a little movie you might have heard of called Casablanca. Same thing I said with The Great Dictator. It's funny, you started with one that I love and ended with one I love. Oh, I saved Casablanca for you to be my last one. That is probably the closest, in my opinion, a movie has ever gotten to being perfect. Sure. Because there is nothing in that movie I feel like needs to be taken out. Sure. And I don't see anything that could be added to clarify that. Sure. I'll give a a few more because, I mean, if I were to tell you all the ones on here. Yeah, yeah, why don't you go ahead and give me like 10 more and that'd be good. Uh, Let's see. Gone with the Wind okay. is on here. I own that on DVD. I just have yet to put it in. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I don't know that I want to. Yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing with The Pianist yeah. for kind of a different reason. It's I just don't know that that movie interests me. So No, I'm, I understand. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the one that Blake didn't like. I want to say this was the one he didn't like. Fargo? Yep. <laughs> That's on my love, list. Love me some Fargo. I was say, I'm curious to see which side of that uh, argument I fall on, your side or Blake's side. Blake is the only person I've ever heard that doesn't love that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's a, one that might shock the audience. The Truman Show. Okay. That's a great movie. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I just have not seen it. Yeah. Uh, that's Jim Carrey's probably second best. 
Yeah. I would say to Eternal, Sun- Eternal Sunshine. Uh, the true, uh, as I just talked about the Truman Show, uh, Blade Runner. Okay. Have you seen 2049? No. <laughs> well, Reed will be mad at me saying this, but 2049 is better. Uh, well, Reed can come on the show and complain about it later. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one more simply because of the fact it's not just one movie. It's just a whole bunch of movies. And I don't think I've said it yet. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. You got to get seen, on that, man. I've seen Iron Man. And I've seen the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I'm done telling you which one of those I have seen. <laughs> you you got to binge them, man. You just got to have a I, weekend. I, and, I really got to just find a weekend where I just and not, shut the door. Not put on any pants, yeah. <laughs> have a couple friends over and just watch a bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's several more on here. So maybe at some point I'll come back on the show, talk about the ones I've crossed off the list, the ones that have since been added to the list. Yeah. And maybe we can also right. talk about Inspector Gadget 2 while we're at it. <laughs> well, how about this? I would like for you to pick one from my list that I should bump to the tippy top of my queue, and I would like to pick one from yours. I would say Casablanca. Okay, and I figured it would be either Casablanca or The Great Dictator, but I those will are make number an one and number up. two. Put, the, put those both at the top of your list. Watch those next, and by the time I come back on the show, I expect you have seen both of those. <laughs> I will give you. I will give an extra, um, extra special attention to Casablanca. Let's see here. I think that you should bump up. Gosh, this is hard. Um, I mean, I have a lot, and some of them are on your list too. So, well, and but and like none of them jumped out as you said, uh, as you said it. So, uh, uh, like part of me wants to say arsenic and old lace. Part of me wants to say Anchorman, just because I love Anchorman. Uh, would um, it surprise? Would it shock you if I told you I have never seen The Shining? Uh, it wouldn't shock me, but, but I will say I have never seen The Shining. But I have seen the sequel, which name has suddenly just flown from my mind. Gosh, because there's a couple that you even have listed that you didn't get to say that I would. Ooh. And I mean, what I have on the list on the show notes, I didn't cover all of what I put on there. But at the same time, there's a bunch on here that I haven't named either. I don't remember if I said One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I would strongly recommend that you prioritize. We'll go Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. It's his 30th anniversary. And I know you didn't mention it, but... I'm highlighting that now as we speak, so that way I remember. No, I want to change it. (laughs) (laughs) If you you gave me two, if you said Casablanca and The Great Dictator, I'll give you two. I'll say Silence and the Lambs. And uh, you know what? Let's go with Anchorman. Anchorman? Let's go with Anchorman. I was going to give you one because I don't think I said it. But Lava Land is on my list. Oh! <laughs> then I completely changed my answer. You should prioritize La La Land and Anchorman. I will prioritize uh, La La Land and Anchorman then. <laughs> because I want to be able to quote Anchorman with you, but uh, but La La Land is just excellent. What's bad is my brother uh, said he did not care for La La Land. Well, your brother... And again, and he doesn't write for us, so... Your brother can throw fisticuffs with me, so... And I know Robert will be on my side. As will most of the... Uh, most of the writers room will uh we'll have a big anchorman rumble <laughs> yeah it'll be <laughs> we'll have a rumble. what's bad is i feel like what's going to happen here is a couple of weeks i'm going to get an email from ben for the best ever challenge and it's going to be joseph's list of shame joseph you're not allowed to write for this one <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing oh that would be so good uh I'll I'll, oh, yeah. I'll pitch that to ben and ben and robert be like we need to write best <laughs> oh, ever no, movies that joseph hasn't seen <laughs> Oh no! I mean, I know that Reed's writing about Chinatown, and <laughs> I mean it would just work. 
somebody would pick the prestige, you know? Anyway, let's, uh, which that's on there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is on there. Uh, ben would pick fight club. We'll have a good time with things. Um, let's move on to the spinoff. It's our very last thing that we have to do before we wrap up. Joseph, what is that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to either watch or to stay away from? You know, I would love to say that if you've never played the Mass Effect games, they're coming out with the Legendary Edition mm-hmm. later this year. This month, actually. And you'll love that game. Later this month, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I got to give a shout out to uh, my buddy Jeremy Scott over at CinemaSins. He's written the series of books called The Ables. Okay. And there's only been two uh, books really in my life that when I've read them, I could actually like visualize the movie in front of me. One is his books. The other is The Martian. Mm. And The Martian is an amazing movie. Sure. So, I mean, it, I mean, they're more young adult novels, I will admit. But they are some just excellent stories yep. to have just in your life. Yeah, I own the all three Abel's books that have been released. I just haven't gotten around to them just yet. But uh, okay, How about this? How about this? You read those first, then you watch Casablanca, no. and then you watch The Great Dictator. Look, I'm, look no, because... He, he, the Abels isn't even the tippy top of my list because I would really like to re- finish reading Dune before the movie comes out. So mm. Dune, I, I gotta get Dune. Dune, I gotta admit, I've gotta get Dune. Dune and uh, the uh, the Dark Tower series I own, but I don't haven't I haven't started them yet. So I'd like to start those, but then I'll probably like try to go back and forth between a couple of different things. So um, anyway, and as far as Mass Effect goes, I do plan on getting the remastered trilogy because I've never played any Mass Effect games because I don't typically like RPGs, but I think there's enough here that uh, I'll consider getting it when it goes on sale. So I would 100% recommend it. It is by far my favorite video game series ever. Well, it's not... I just love those games. I'll tell you right now, it's just not going to beat the Batman Arkham series because there is no better video game series than the Batman Arkham series. What's funny is I almost expected the... uh, Silly question to be saying about if aliens existed, would you date one? And I would have been like, I played the Bioware dating simulator known as Mass Effect. I believe that answers your question. Nice. Well, uh, I am going to talk about something that I just can't stop thinking about. Um, it's a new release on Hulu. It came out probably a month or like at the start of the year. Uh, it is Del- Derek Del Guaggio's In and of Itself. Uh, you can find on Hulu. It's 90 minutes long. And I seriously can't think, I can only think of one thing on Hulu that I love more than this. Oh, let's see one more Hulu original that I love more than this. And that's Palm Springs. But that's just because Palm Springs is just an all timer. This, this is a one man show. It's a recording of a one man show. And he, I want you to know as little as possible going into this. I don't want you to look up trailers. I don't want you to uh, read things that it's about. All I want you to know is that this is a one man show that focuses on storytelling and identity. And to me, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about it in the show. Storytelling is at the core why I love movies. It is at the core um, the way that I relate to to people and to uh, to experiences. And so story, I think storytelling is such a core part of our humanity. Um, and obviously identity, you know, how we choose to um, to do things. This This is phenomenal. Uh, to me, because he 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 interweaves storytelling with uh, magic tricks, with uh, really emotional, psychological, sociological stuff um, that I just can't stop thinking about. And it got to the point where this is only ninety minutes long. The first like third ish, I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting." I'm ex- I have no idea where this is going, but I'm here for the ride. And the second third, I was like, 
Okay, I'm fascinated by this point. I have no idea where this is going, uh, but I think there's a lot of really, really, really great stuff here. And the last third of this movie, I literally was just screaming at my TV, How? You see, what you're doing here is reminding me how I've said for the past three months, I really need to get Hulu. You do, look, you really do. If not just to watch this, uh, and I totally recommend getting the ad-free version because I would be so mad if ads interrupted my experience. Uh, while watching this. So this absolutely blew me away. It is by far the front runner for me for my favorite movie I've seen in t- for my favorite 2021 release. Uh, and I would not be surprised if this is still at the tippy top of my list at the end of the year. I will not be surprised if this is my favorite movie of the year. I cannot recommend it enough. I cannot tell you how urgently you need to see this. Um, I cannot tell you there was there were no words I can describe to you to let you know what you what exactly you're in for, and that's something truly beautiful. Sounds like I'm gonna have to bump that to the top of the list as well. Honestly, honestly, I would say watch that before you watch anything on your list of shame. Like I, I would probably, <laughs> I like that more than anything you said on your list of shame. And you know, I love Anchorman. I love the Prestige. I think Silence of the Lambs yeah. is a great movie. I, I don't know. It's it's also just incredibly relevant. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I am like, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, but it's just not enough. Same thing with the nice guys. It's just not enough people talking about it. No, I'm with you there, especially on the nice guys. And when you, and when you do finish uh, in, in, or when you do watch in and of itself, you will also be an evangelist for this movie. I guarantee it. But on that note, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sip Pop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, send us a question to explore during the B-plot, you know, play Joseph for a week, then you can email me at writersroom at SifPop.com, like I mentioned before. You can also get in contact with me uh, via Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. If you want to support the show, help out some costs you pay for out of event pockets such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle or DM me for PayPal. I'm toying around with the idea of maybe starting a Patreon, but uh, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. And please don't forget to leave a review uh, for us on iTunes. I know that a lot of you are listening on Apple Podcasts uh, because I can see the stats. So please uh, don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars are great. Um, but I would rather you just review it, honestly. Uh, it helps out the show more than you will ever possibly know. Uh, but that's uh, ways to contact with me, ways you can help out the show, ways you can uh, uh, continue conversations about what happens here. But uh, Joseph, where can listeners find you and berate you about their favorite movie on your list of shame? Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my uh, Twitter handle is at Joseph CSHN Davis. And uh, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd and just uh, watch as I slowly accumulate movies on there that I finally have crossed off the list of shame, uh, you can follow me on there as JC Davis 314. And awesome. uh, all the single ladies, uh, if you like uh, pina coladas and getting uh, caught in the rain, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to sell myself a little bit here, man. <laughs> love it hey it's awesome it's been so great having you on the show uh for the first time it's it's just been a pleasure talking with you oh yeah it's been fun and and you know that we'll have to we'll have to do this again when whenever rotation comes around again but uh but you know in the meantime especially right now uh, with award season we got to get back to the writer's room